0: Greetings from the Mountain Mama, West Virginia. My name is McKenna. And hey, it's Galen. And you're listening to Living Lore. Today we're delving into one of the Greenbrier Valley's most chilling tales. Buckle up and please keep all hands and feet inside
1: the vehicle. It's about to get bumpy. Driving in the Greenbrier County, just off Interstate 64, stands a state highway marker with an unusual message. The sign reads, Only known case in which a testimony from a ghost helped convict a murder. The year was
0: 1897. The day, well, no one is exactly sure, but it was sometime in late January. Most records say the 22nd, the 23rd, or the 24th. It was a cold day, let's leave it at that.
1: Erasmus Stripling Trout shoe asks his neighbor's son, Anderson Andy Jones to run some errands for his ailing wife Zona. While the boy was busy at the time, he promised to stop by the home later that day. By mid-afternoon, Andy had completed his work and made his way to the shoe home. He immediately had a sense of unease when he approached the house and his unease only grew when he saw a trail of blood on the front step. He knocked and when no one answered, he followed the trail of blood through the dining room where he was shocked to find Zona's lifeless body. What at first looked like an unfortunate
0: accident, soon took the form of something far more, for lack of a better word, deadly. (laughs) You can't tell me you didn't plan that. I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Where was I? Ah! A dead wife? A forever traumatized young boy? A
1: grieving mother? A suspiciously distraught husband? But, before we get into the specifics of Zona's death, I think we should go back to the day that would ultimately change her life
0: forever. Erasmus. A tall, muscular, and decidedly handsome man moved to the sleepy village of Live Saint Mill in Greenbrier County in the summer of 1896, looking for a job, looking for a wife.
1: He, he found, found both. Erasmus, a, a Virginia native, found a job working at James Crookshank's blacksmith shop. That is a mouthful. It, is. it <laughs> is. The shop. He had taken to going by the name Edward, but everyone in town soon took to calling him Trout. She has a terrible, terrible nickname.
0: Something smells fishy to me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, He soon caught the eye of young Zona Hester, a farmer's daughter. In her early 20s, Erasmus was 10 years her senior, and despite Erasmus' charming demeanor, Zona's mother, Mary Hester, did not approve of the relationship. The couple's, I don't know if I'd call it a whirlwind romance, but we're going to. The whirlwind romance
0: ended in a marriage just a few short months after Erasmus walked into town. Documents show that they were married at the Old Methodist Church on October 20, 1896. Following their nuptials, the happy couple moved into a small, two-story home located near Sewell Mountain. On the other side of the mountain stood Zona's childhood home, where her mother still lived.
1: As it turns out, Mary's dislike for Erasmus had some merit. Not only did he have a secret criminal record and had served two years in a state penitentiary for stealing a horse, but he had also been unhappily married twice before. The first wife divorced him after he abandoned her and their child, and the second wife died under mysterious circumstances. Mysterious? There's nothing mysterious about it. He dropped a brick on her head while fixing the roof and claimed it was an accident. Okay, the second
0: wife died under a brick. Are you happy? Blunt, but not untrue. I accept. Not a lot is known about the three months they were married. Mary, who had always been very close to Zona, didn't even get a chance to visit before tragedy struck.
1: Up until this point, Erasmus seemed like a pretty chill dude. No one really knew about his criminal history and he hadn't done anything suspicious up to this point. Asking Andy to go check on his sick wife was a perfectly reasonable request for a worried husband. It was the manner in which he did it that seemed strange.
0: Andy, who had other duties he had to attend to, could not go and check on Zona right away. In the book, The Greenbrier Ghost and Other Strange Stories, written by Dennis Dietz, Andy said he seemed to resent this, but asked if I could go later in the day. Four times he came back to the house for me, each time I was busy until about 1pm.
1: He was very persistent. If he was so worried about his wife, it makes you wonder why he didn't just go check on her himself. It's awfully unusual. Andy arrived at the Shoe home to find all the doors closed and a
0: trail of blood on the front step. When no one answered his knock, he followed the trail of blood through to the dining room
1: where he found Zona's body. There she was, stretched out on the floor, looking right up at me through wide open eyes, Jones recalled. She seemed to be laughing. I was frightened but still able to reach down and shake her. She was stiff and cold. Andy immediately rushed into town to
0: tell Erasmus what he had found. Accounts say that Erasmus appeared in great anguish at the news and ran to his home, He gathered his dead wife into his arms and directed that the local doctor and coroner, Dr. George W. Knapp, be called.
1: After a brief examination, Dr. Knapp concluded that Zona died of everlasting fate, i.e. a heart attack. No rest for the wicked author, Tori Taylor, said that the doctor did notice some bruising around Zona's neck, but when he tried to look closer, she reacted so violently that the physician ended the examination and left. Later, the Greenbrier Independent would report from Erasmus Hsu's trial that after Dr. Knapp was unable to resuscitate Zona, Hsu requested the doctor do the following. To make no further examination of the body, that he assisted in dressing the body and in doing so put around the neck a high collar and a large veil several times folded and tied a large bow under the chin, that the head was observed by a number of the witnesses to be very loose upon the neck and would drop from side to side when not supported. Now, Victorian custom dictated that the family and
0: friends of a deceased female were to be tasked with washing and dressing the body to prepare it for funeral. However, Erasmus would not let anyone but himself near Zona's body, and even went so far as to stand by his wife's head during the funeral, not allowing anyone else to come near.
1: In his book, Taylor writes, those who came to pay respects during the wake pointed out some fairly bizarre behavior on the part of Edward Troutshue. His grief changed back and forth between overwhelming sadness and manic energy. Regardless, Zona was buried with no charges against her husband. But Zona's mother wasn't happy with this outcome. Suspicious of her son-in-law, Mary
0: was convinced her daughter's death wasn't an accident. Being a very religious woman, she prayed for days after the funeral for her daughter to return to her and tell her what had truly happened.
1: Mary got her wish. Four weeks after her death, Zona returned to her mother. For four nights, Zona came to her mother, telling her the gruesome tale of how she had been murdered by her husband. According to Zona's ghost, Erasmus was upset that she had not prepared meat for their meal that evening and had strangled her in a fit of rage.
0: Ah, uh, yes. A perfectly reasonable reason to murder your new wife.
1: You wanted some chicken.
0: Maybe it was beef. <laughs> world we'll <never> <laughs> the world
1: will never know The world will never know. She should have mentioned that when she came back to see her <gasps> Maybe mother. it was fish. No. <gasps> <gasps> a A trout! <trudge! laughs>
0: It was fish. I know it.
1: Anyways, desperate to avenge her daughter, Mary and her brother-in-law told her tale to the town's prosecuting attorney. Weary of believing
0: it was a ghostly encounter, but having his own doubts about the nature of Zona's death, the prosecuting attorney started to look into the matter. When he spoke to Dr. Knapp and learned how Erasmus had prevented a full examination of the body, he pursued having Zona's body exhumed and requested an autopsy be performed. Erasmus protested against the autopsy, and the Greenbrier community was reporting more peculiar behavior from him. He'd been making comments to the effect that he would have seven wives and that no one could ever prove I killed Zona. Not suspicious at all. I am very distraught about my wife's death, but also, you'll never convict me! <laughs> <laughs> totally the words of an innocent man.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the autopsy findings reported that the windpipe was smashed on the throat were marks of fingers indicating she had been choked, i.e. evidence of murder by strangulation. Andy, who watched Erasmus as the report's results were given, stated, Shoes head dropped. A change came over him that I can't explain, but it certainly proved his guilt to me.
0: Following the postmortem exam,
1: Erasmus Hsu
0: was arrested and charged with murder, to which he pleaded not guilty. The trial began on June 22, 1897. The brick courthouse in Lewisburg, which has been in continuous use since its construction in 1837, is the very building in which the Greenbrier ghost trial
1: took place. Which is really cool to me because you can actually visit where this insane case took place. You can see where Mary testified, before a jury and all her friends and neighbors that she saw her daughter's ghost. And Mary wasn't even supposed to testify. Her story about her daughter's ghostly revelations
0: was considered hearsay and therefore was not admissible as evidence. The court skirted the issue of her visions, calling them dreams. But in an attempt to discredit the star witness, the defense attorney asked her about them. It came back to bite him in the butt, however, because her testimony had the opposite effect. It was so compelling
1: that it swayed the jury. Basically, the defense attorney's attempt to make Mary look crazy just made his client look even more guilty than before. Good job, man. In Mary's testimony, which
0: is still on record in the West Virginia Division of Culture and History Archives, she would not give up the belief that she had indeed been visited by her daughter's ghost.
1: The defense attorney tried many times to get her to admit her visions were just dreams, just a figment of her imagination. Mary denied this, explaining details Zona had told her about her home, one the mother had never visited. She recounted how Zona had died, proven by the autopsy. Now, there is a particular part of the trial that we would like to reenact for dramatic effect. I will be the mother. And Galen, you can be the lawyer.
0: Oh, thanks. You can be the crap lawyer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I gotta get my lawyer voice on. Now, read it as dramatically as possible, please. Okay.
0: Now, I would like, if I could, to get you to say that these were four dreams and not four visions or appearances of your daughter in Flesh and Blood.
1: I am not going to say that, for I am not going to lie. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the case.
0: The evidence, though circumstantial at best, was enough to convince the court of Erasmus's guilt. Although he denied being present at the time of Zona's death, he was unable to establish an
1: alibi and was considered an unreliable, self-serving witness. While the trial lasted eight days, it took the jury only an hour to return a verdict of murder in the first degree. The jury recommended she be confined to the state penitentiary for the rest of his life. Judge
0: J. W. McHorter wrote to a friend describing the trial and testimony as given by Mrs. Mary Hester. When the body was taken and a post-mortem examination was made, it was found that her neck had been dislocated, which undoubtedly had caused her death. The trial occupied eight days, and the jury found him guilty of murder in the first degree and was recommended clemency, and he was accordingly sentenced for life. This murdered woman was his third wife, and he had boasted that he expected to have seven wives. In this, however, he was disappointed. He passed to the great beyond to meet the three he treated so brutally here.
1: The true motive of why Erasmus killed his young bride is still in question to this day. There are relatives of Erasmus Shu who say he had no motive because he didn't kill his wife. Others, however, fully believe he committed these terrible acts. With us today is Isaac Beckett, the great-great-nephew of our leading gentleman, Erasmus Trout Shu. Howdy. Okay, so one of our first questions is, when did you first hear about this story, and what were your thoughts when you
0: were told about it?
2: Uh, well, I'm pretty sure, it's a long time ago, my, uh, my grandma and mom were going to go see, like, the Green Bar Ghost play or something like that, and I was asking them about it, and, uh, they just said, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to see it, and you're related to the killer. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's real nice.
0: That's not something you expect to hear every day.
2: <laughs> no, not at all.
0: Definitely not. <laughs>
2: you're
0: related to a killer.
2: Definitely a shock.
1: Yeah. Okay, so now this is your great-great-grandmother's... Brother.
0: Brother.
2: Brother.
1: Okay. So did she tell you anything else about it, like about the history or the murder? Uh,
2: nothing that you couldn't really read, like, online. The only interesting, I guess, family fact would be that uh, my grandmother's grandma, or mom told her, not grandma, uh, told her that when he died uh, in prison, it was supposedly to, like, a pandemic or sickness in the prison, Um, but she told my grandma that it was actually, he was too lazy to pump the water out of the well. And I don't know if she said that to make him work more or uh, what, but that's what she always told him.
0: So basically she's saying he drowned then, right? Gosh, that's crazy. So in a lot of our research, we read that some of his family members actually didn't believe that he had tried to kill his wife. And there's some reservations about what happened to the other wife. So we were curious, you know, what your thoughts were. Um, Do you think he did it and actually tried to kill his wife or what were you thinking there? I'm
2: sure he did it. Um, there's just too much evidence against him that you can't really say that he didn't do it.
1: And what do you think about the ghost?
2: I think that's just a grieving mother having hallucinations or wanting something to happen and forcing it to happen in her head. I think it was lucky that it was enough to get the body exhumed, but I don't think there was actually a ghost because I don't believe in ghosts, so.
0: So is there anything else that you'd like to say about your family legacy? It's
2: an interesting legacy to have, but, uh, I'm proud of it and, uh, I think he did it. So,
1: so you're not looking for seven wives? No, <laughs> no, it doesn't run in the family. <laughs> no, I hope not. At least.
0: <laughs>
1: all right. Well, thank you so much for coming in.
0: Yeah, no problem,
2: of course.
1: Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. Now comes my favorite topic to discuss: conspiracy theories. Despite the resolution of the trial, many questions still remain about the case. Shu, who was known for his temper, most likely did murder his wife in a fit of rage, and then attempted to cover up the crime.
0: But considering this is a trial where ghostly visions were used as evidence in court, there are a lot of theories about what could have actually happened to Zona.
1: It could have been a ghost,
0: it's not likely,
1: but it could have been. There's a lot of stuff that Mary said that is really hard to explain.
0: There is a theory about that, actually. There was speculation among the Greenbrier townsfolk that Zona had died a natural death and her mother had broken her neck in the coffin in an attempt to frame the
1: son-in-law she disliked so much. But that wouldn't explain why Erasmus was so protective of Zona's body, in particular her head, and the way he acted after they exhumed her body. Maybe he was just cuckoo for Cocoa Buffs. That's definitely a possibility. There was also talk
0: that Zona had been pregnant with another illegitimate child. It was rumored that she had given birth to an illegitimate child prior to Erasmus, and that Knapp had killed Zona in a failed abortion attempt. Her neck was broken to cover it up, basically. Or that Shu killed Zona when he discovered her pregnant with a child that couldn't possibly be his.
1: Which, how the heck would he know? Unless she suddenly looked very pregnant after only knowing him for a few months, but the autopsy report didn't say anything about Zona being pregnant. It's not the best theory. My favorite theory is that Erasmus was trying to set up the young boy, Andy, for the murder. I honestly hadn't thought that that was what he was trying to do until I read this theory, but it kind of makes sense. Erasmus repeatedly claimed that his guilt would not be proved. You wonder why no one suspected Andy, who found the body. While that would be a crazy plot twist, and I have no doubt that anyone is capable of murder, it honestly looks like Erasmus was pointing the finger to take the blame off itself. Possibly his plan had been to set up Andy all along. Another theory looks at whether or not Zona's mother ever saw the ghost. Maybe Mary made up the ghost story to get the authorities to look into the case. It does seem odd that Zona would know exactly how her neck had been broken. It's one thing to say, my husband broke my neck. It's another to know the exact placement of the break. She literally said her neck had been squeezed off at the first vertebrae. Or maybe Mary did see her daughter's ghost, but conformed her ghost story to the findings of the autopsy for the trial.
0: What if the mom killed her? What? No, think about it. She's mad at Zona for leaving her, jealous of Erasmus. Her dislike for her son-in-law is pretty well known. She knows exactly how her daughter dies, and it would explain how she knew details about a house she never visited.
1: I mean, well, crap. I don't know why she would want to kill her daughter, even if she was mad, but she'd have to be one heck of an actress to pull that off. Not saying she did it, but if she did, That's one very intelligent and terrifying lady. I would really like to know how people in town react to this woman after the trial. Like, did they respect Mary because she helped catch a murderer? Were they scared of her? Did they think she was crazy? I would think she was crazy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, no matter what they thought or what could actually have happened to Zona, Erasmus was charged for her murder and sent to prison. He died the third year of his sentence from the flu epidemic of 1900. Surprisingly, or perhaps unsurprisingly, No one from his family came to claim his body.
0: After the trial ended, Sona's ghost was never seen again, but her memory will live on in this strange tale that made history.
1: Thanks for listening to Living Lore, a production of The Scenic Grout, a Loot Press podcast. If you like what you hear, please remember to like and share on Spotify or your favorite podcast provider. Or you can check out our Twitter or send us your own
0: spooky story at livinglordwv and livinglordwv at gmail.com,
1: respectively. Thank you for your support, and we'll see you next time when we discuss the unsolved case, the Mad Butcher of Fayette County.